Welcome to our radio broadcast, The Convergence of Prophecy, where we talk about the prophecy recorded on the pages of the Bible each week and the prophecy unfolding right before our very eyes in the news. Next week, we should have a prophecy update available where we're going to talk about the New World Order and why we use those terms. Where do we find them in the Bible? So hopefully you can join us next week for that. But today we're in a series of teachings on the book of Revelation. And today we're finishing up our look at the church Jesus addresses in Ephesus. So please open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Now Jesus has an admonition for this church. Revelation 2 verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So Jesus says, Nevertheless, you've done all of these things, you've been faithful in ministry, but I have this against you, you have lost your first love. Now the letter to the Ephesians was written by Paul somewhere around 60 A.D., In that letter, Paul writes about the sacrifice of Jesus, how he redeemed us with his blood. He writes about his rich mercy and love for us. And now some 35 years later, they had lost their first love. It took less than a generation for them to forget about the love of Christ. The word Jesus uses for love is agape. Agape is a pure sacrificial love, a love that is not concerned with self, but seeks the good of others. Agape love describes God's love for us and our love for God. As we are to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And probably the greatest example of agape love in the Bible is Jesus Christ dying for our sins while we were still sinners. And the best definition of agape love in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. To love others with agape love does not come easy for us, does it? And that's because of our sinful nature. It does come natural to God because it is who He is. He is love. By staying close to Him, we not only experience His great love for us, we can better understand what true love really is. And through God's love for us, we find it easier to love others. Now, the believers in Ephesus knew about the love of Jesus. So they knew what love is, but what caused them to lose that love? Well, first of all, the word lost means to neglect or disregard or to be left alone. And here's what I believed happened to this church in Ephesus. At first, they were ministering to the people of Ephesus out of their abundance of their love for Jesus and his sacrificial love for them. They ministered daily to the poor and the needy. They preached the gospel message message to the idolaters and the sexual immoral people of the city. But as they began to neglect and disregard their walk with Jesus, and they began to drift away from him and his word, their ability to look at the people and see them as Jesus saw them, as lost and dying, also began to fade away. They forgot that they were there to share the love of Christ through the gospel message. 
The church in Ephesus continued to serve, but they served out of a sense of duty rather than out of a heart of love. It isn't that they were unable to love, they just forgot how to love. They had forgotten that the only way they could show agape love towards others was to first experience that love at the feet of Jesus themselves. And it's through that time spent with Jesus that their love for others would be enhanced. Their love for others would come out of their time spent with Jesus. And then we have the appeal that Jesus makes to this church. He says in verse 5, Remember therefore where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So Jesus gives this church three steps to recover what they had lost. He says to them, Remember, repent, and return. Remember your love for me how you eagerly anticipated spending time with me, how you sat at my feet and drew close to me, and the joy you felt in your heart just being in my presence. Remember the height from where you've fallen, how you once loved me with all your heart, and how you have forgotten me now. And Jesus tells them to remember the love they once felt, so they have a roadmap, if you will, of how to return to that love. He tells them to repent. Repent means to change. You see, it isn't enough to just recognize your need to change. To truly repent of your sin is to change what you're doing, to stop the sin that you're in. In other words, to repent is to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. In the case of the Ephesian church, to repent was to turn from their self-centered service done from a self-centered heart back to their first love, Jesus. And then thirdly, return. Repentance means nothing if you continue to do what you've repented of. Jesus tells the Ephesian church to repent and return to the love you once had, an agape love for God and for others. Return to your love for Jesus and your love for others will follow. Or else, Jesus says. Jesus is reminding them, and us, by the way, that there are consequences for our sin. If they were to remain in this loveless state, Jesus would come and remove their lampstand, meaning their light would go out. And the tragedy in all this is once the lampstand is removed, so will the presence of the Lord Jesus, because remember, Jesus is among the lampstands. The Holy Spirit would depart from this church, and their light would go out, and they would be a church in name only. And listen, sadly, many churches today operate under their own strength. They would never miss the Holy Spirit if you were to leave. A.W. Tozer once said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 90% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 90% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. That's a sobering statement, isn't it? Look at verse 6. But this you have... You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, the name Nicolaitans means the destruction of the people. And the the environment that they ministered in with all the idolatry and sexual immorality would certainly lead to the destruction of the people. But Jesus points out that there's hope for this church. They stand against what Jesus is against. Jesus is pointing out to them there's still a spark there. There's still a flame of love. 
that love hasn't completely been extinguished yet. There's still hope for the Ephesian church. Look at verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now, this is a warning to all those who have ears to hear, both in the Ephesian church and any church today, or any believer. This may describe you. Listen to what Jesus is saying. There may be those in the church that will hear and overcome, as described by John in his first letter. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 1 John chapter 5, verses 4-5. through 5. Meaning they will heed the warning of faith, return to their first love, and their light will remain. And there's who will there's those rather who will be overcome. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. For if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having knowing it and turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 21. So sadly, there are those who have heard the word of God and even appear to be saved. But in their hearts, they're far from the Lord, and they've turned away. They, they didn't lose their salvation. Because listen, listen very carefully to this. You cannot lose something you never had. They're Christians in name only. They had a knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but they did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Jesus warns them that those who overcome, who heed his warning, and do what he has told them to do, to return to him, they will eat of the tree of life. And there's an actual tree in heaven, that's, and it speaks of eternity. Those who do not heed his warning will not eat of the tree. One group is saved, one group isn't. For the believers, Jesus is warning them to wake up. Wake up. And I think that's a message he's given to the church today, to wake up, to repent, and return to your first love. For the ones who believe that they're saved but are not, And one way to know that you're not saved is when you go on sinning and not feel conviction. When you can spend all your time in the world and no time with Jesus and not be convicted by that. And if that describes you, then you need to take a long, hard look at your salvation because there should be a change in your life when you have Jesus in your heart. Now, I'm not suggesting that we'll be perfect and that we won't slip up from time to time. We all do. What I'm saying is is if you're actively participating in sin and aren't miserable about that, then you really need to examine yourself to see if you're of the faith, as Paul tells us to do. Because to think you're saved and and are not, that has eternal consequences. The church in Ephesus had become a church in name only, and there are some who are Christians in name only. And I tell you this not to upset you, but to prayerfully open your eyes. If you believe you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are living your life the same way you were before you knew about Jesus, then there needs to be a change. And that change can only come about through repentance and faith in Christ and returning to your first love who should be Christ Jesus. And listen, if any of this hit home with you today, if it convicted you in any way, Praise the Lord. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's an easy way to finally 
know that you know that you know to, to commit and submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is as simple as ABC, and we do this each week, and we do it for a reason. The most important part of this broadcast is the gospel message, and I want to make sure that goes out every single week because I may never see you in this lifetime, but Lord willing, I'll see you in heaven, and that means more to me than anything. So, like I said, it's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short of the glory of God. And sometimes that's the most difficult part. That's the hardest step to take is to admit that we're sinners, that we we just are getting this wrong. Listen, it should be easy for us because the Bible tells us we're sinners. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that tells us right there that there's no amount of good works any of us could do to ever work our way into heaven. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't know about you, but that word all pretty much covers all of us. We're all sinners. And the only way to correct that is to be, believe with all your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died for your sins. Romans 10 verses 10 to 11 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and the mouth con- with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So once you admit you're a sinner and you believe Jesus has died for your sins, the next step is to repent of that sin, turn to Jesus, and see, call upon his name. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So listen, if that is you today, if you want that in with all your heart, that you want to be saved, that you want the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then get on your knees and call upon his name. Confess that you're a sinner. Ask him to come into your life. Ask, Submit to him. Commit your life to him. And ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. May God bless you.